Welcome to Buy the Books, the podcast helping business owners navigate the complex world of business, tax, and bookkeeping. Now, to the owner and president of Secline, Lindsay Klein. Thanks for joining us, everyone. This is Lindsay Klein with Secline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of Buy the Books. I'm here today with John Poteet who is the Managing Director of Cyberware AI, which is a company that does military-grade, let's see if I can get this right, military-grade enterprise-level security for small businesses, but really businesses of all sizes. Correct. You're just trying to make it affordable for small business. Correct. Yeah, the big barrier to entry for small businesses is the price point for securing their their futures, really. We are a government contractor, licensed, registered, vetted, currently working on a few projects. We're What we're trying to do is leverage that uh, mil-spec security capability for small businesses. Due to our, you know, kind of unique engagement model, we're able to provide that level of security at a price point that would normally be way higher than they could afford. It would be out of their budget, yes. And So for the average small business owner, mm-hmm. which probably largely the demographic that's listening to my podcast, you know, people that are doing a trade or maybe it's a side hustle, small businesses, the average person that has a salon or mm-hmm. a marketing company, why would they care? I mean, they may be telling themselves, I'm not really holding a lot of data, you know, why do I need to pay for a service like this? What would you tell them? Well, uh, let's back up. I'm not necessarily saying you need to pay for a service like this. What I'm saying is that everybody needs to, you know, be educated and trained in the basics of cybersecurity and how to protect your personal data and your client's data. And uh, you need to be aware of where you're at, you know, as a small business owner, how your company runs is, you know, you have the optics on that, but you don't really have the optics on what's going on behind the scenes with your network. And you may think you do, but you really need a cybersecurity to come in and do a thorough vulnerability assessment to be able to assess where you're at and then give you a remediation report on the things you need to fix before we leave the room for free, you know, just some tips. And then Maybe things we need to fix within the, the next month. And then things you can kick down the road, maybe about six months. But why should anybody care? Well, the average uh, cyber event for a small business costs them $2.9 million. $2.9 million, which for the average small business, that means the business ceases to exist. It is. Uh, 60% of the businesses that have experienced a cyber breach are out of business and file bankruptcy within six months. Why is that? What happens in a cyber breach that causes this catastrophic event? Sure. So they, you know, primarily it's disruption of business. You know, they, they'll completely freeze your assets. Now, when you say they, you're talking hackers? The hackers, correct. Okay, so hackers do something to breach your your data. Correct, and hold it ransom, yeah. So and, no longer is it, like, I remember when that movie Ransom came out, where the, the guy's son got kidnapped, and, mm-hmm. you know, he was wealthy, and they're holding the kid for ransom, right? And they, want, they wanted, like, a million dollars or something, right? It's no longer capture the person, it's capture the data, right? Sure. 
Absolutely. And that's that can do, be done in a myriad of ways. We could take you down that, but let's just stay pretty high level. And you would say, why me? I'm a small business. They're not targeting you in particular. What's happening is they're sending out bots and they are mm. finding your vulnerabilities. And once they log on, once they latch onto you, then they will start sending signals back to whoever's, you know, orchestrating the bots activities. And then they'll, you know, look into you. That's when people get involved. But it's not, you don't have somebody sitting in a dark basement somewhere looking up your business. I mean, I'm going to get her. Now, let's back up. 88% of cyber events for small business are financially motivated. Whereas large, large organizations, they're not always financially motivated. Sometimes they want data, such as if you want to hack the Air Force. You don't, you're not really after money at that point. Mm. If you're, you know... A foreign bad actor, right. they, don't, they don't want your money. Right. So a lot of the bigger organizations, Sony, that was intellectual property, that hack that happened about, what, six years ago, mm. uh, releasing movies early and stuff like that. It did affect them financially, but they weren't necessarily held for ransom. There was, gotcha. It, it, was, it was that. That was more of a pirating deal. It was, exactly, yeah. Okay. So by and large, though, for di- different ways they do it, but by and large, it's financial gain. It is. In some cases, if it's military and things like that, it could be for security. Right. And um, trying to do something unscrupulous yeah, to the country. Yeah. Exactly. And and you know what? They're actually doing that. They're going. It's the same end game. It's the disruption and destruction of the U.S. country, economy, government, all of it. Because there are 35, over 35 million small businesses. Small business runs the U.S. economy. It's not Fortune 100 companies. So why protect them? Because that's what runs our whole economy. Mm. And if that's if that's at stake, if that's jeopardized, then uh, then they're then they're getting their way. Now, for the average person out there that says, "Well, I have." McGaffey or mm-hmm. I forget the other ones out there, right? The, the Norton the, antivirus. Norton, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I have that, so I'm I'm covered. What would you say to that? I would say that's a good start. Absolutely, and it uh, something we mentioned anecdotally is that your computer asks you to do a lot of things that are inconvenient, and we bypass them. We say, okay, that security certificate's outdated. I'm still going to go to that website uh, because it's convenient. And those are exactly the kind of things, those vulnerabilities at those endpoints is where the hackers can get in. Mm. So, yes, keeping your antivirus updated. Software. So, software patches on your, on your mobile devices and on your computer, those are, those are huge because those patches that are coming in, it's not always to fix functionality. It's mainly to fix the security issues that, mm. are, that were brought up. We're chasing the hackers. So they will devise new techniques, new tactics, and then we have to play catch up. We're, we're not the criminally minded. <laughs> now, there are some good white hat hackers that used to be bad guys that are on mm. our side. And fortunately, we, we're friends with those too. And they do think in that mindset. But for the most part, the cybersecurity community, most of us are come from a security or governmental background or that that type of mindset and you know i don't think of creative um ways and so what we have to do is once a new type of you know vulnerability gets lights are put on it 
that's whenever we play catch up. Well, we I remember you telling me the story and I think I can't remember what company it was, but I remember you telling me that the way the hackers got in was through the thermostat. Correct. So, yeah, that. Mm. So it's. I think we can say it. I think everybody knows that it's Target. Okay, and Target. They, and they, the hackers, the, the thermostat in their corporate headquarters was is on Wi-Fi, was on the network. And the hackers got in. To, through the thermostat and navigated their way through the financial systems and essentially locked Target's financial system down and got access to all my data because I have a Target account and, you know, millions of others as well. So it's not always the way you think, you know, right. even if you've got your laptop locked down, they're getting really creative. Absolutely. They can find, and we have so many smart devices. That. That's a big. That's a big factor. I is, bet people are not thinking about thermostats, and I mean, probably even uh, sprinkler systems, and who? I mean, all the things that we have connected to our oh, Wi-Fi. Yeah, there's a the a casino in Vegas that was hacked. Uh, they got in through the fish feeder system. Oh wow! Through the through the aquarium, the fish feeder is set up on their network so that they could and. You can imagine some of those big saltwater, you know, aquariums yeah. at some of the casinos. Right. They're they're huge enterprises, so everything's controlled through computer, and that's how they got in. And you would think that's about as strong a security as you could find as a casino. So right. Wow. Well, and Target, an I'm sure Target has lots of security oh, sure. as well. So they're getting really creative. Exactly. Yeah. And and again, that goes back to bots and AI. And I'll, I'll, let me jump off into that just a little bit. Okay. So the 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 evolution of hacking is is starting to it's starting to snowball in the, the artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive analytics, all of that is starting to take over. Hacking itself has been democratized. I'm not a nefarious hacker but if I wanted to I could go out to the dark web with some cryptocurrency and give an IP address and essentially pay $500 to hack someone wow so it's very democratized you no longer you no longer have to be it's a business you know some of the some of the ransomware events that we're involved in, you know, you end up communicating directly with the hackers and they communicate just like someone in corporate. It's very professional. It's wow. a business. You had this happen recently. You were telling me about mm -hmm. an instance where you, you were actually part of the negotiations, right? This was your client where their, their data was being held ransom. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And it was originally that the, the ransom was for $10 million dollars. And Talk about how that original email, what, yeah. when that came in, how was it worded? Sure. Did anyone take it seriously? No. That, that's the thing. So it, it came in, it looked somewhat like a blast to a, a, uh, a .edu or a .gov entity. You know, it, it came through to everybody with that email suffix. Interesting. And it says, it essentially said, howdy. Um, <laughs> You have five days to pay us $10 million or we're completely going to erase everything. And this was a school system. This wasn't a business. So this was an independent school district. Correct. So 
And they're asking a school district to pay $10 million to get their data back. Right. And so what was the reaction when they get this email? Well, again, we didn't hear about it until it was about day two. And and they realized that they did not have access to essentially 1,500 desktops and then some more personal critical data that that wasn't on the desktop that was you know with the with the headquarters with the the servers so how that went down they you know they reached out to us contacted we have now were they a client prior to that no so they're in this dire situation trying to find help so fortunately for dallas we have access to a professor of cybersecurity in DFW that I've worked with at a couple of different companies. Very, he's pretty much at the top of the game. And due to his relationship within academia, people just knew him. And so they reached out to him. And that's how, that's how everything started to unfurl and um, ended up securing 1,500 desktops, rebuilding all of those. Meanwhile, doing a proof of life to ensure that they had the data that they said that they had similar to if you take someone ransom and you have them hold up a newspaper with the date on it the same thing is do you really have the data you say you do and so hacked them hacked the hackers how funny and then started communicating with them and saying okay we have all this data but we can't get to this data so you were able to get some of it back most of it you were able to get most of it back. And so the ransom that was actually paid was 600000 versus $10 million. Because there was a piece that you couldn't get back. Yeah, it's just one of those things. You know. And it just ended up getting paid by a school district. Correct. Was this publicized? To a certain degree, it was. People knew that the, the school system was compromised. Fortunately, it happened. So people knew it got hacked. Or did they? I believe so. The, I mean, administration, I don't know if every parent did, but I have seen in you know fo- in the months following that they are, you know, essentially coming clean and saying, yes, we had a cyber breach and this and that. Okay. And that, and that goes back to the statistic that 85% of, of the cyber breaches are never reported to the FBI because- How much? 85%. 85% of breaches- That's straight from the FBI this morning. I had to double check that just to make Are sure. never reported to the FBI. Are they Correct. reported to anyone? No. I mean, FBI is who you, that's who the- That's who would handle that. Right. Mm-hmm. So 85% of breaches are just kept under the radar, essentially. Well, they're paid. The of the ransomwares, yeah, a good chunk of them for small business are-, are they pay the ransom. Pay, $1, they get their two thousand, and just let's just keep business going. I don't, you know, he shut me down for four hours and it impacted the, you know, business this much. Here's a thousand dollars, just get us back up and running. And the thing is, with these hackers, you're you're like, well, if I pay them, who's to say that they're going to turn them back on? True, but again, we're talking about these guys are basically business. <laughs> it's it's uh, it's an exchange. You know, you pay them to receive access back to your data. Wow. That's crazy. So when you've, when you've, it's a huge economy in the U S that is crazy. 2021 was $3.5 billion. Wow. So the business is booming for hackers. Wow. Worldwide is terrifying. So we're set, we're on course to hit over $6 trillion in cyber, cyber damages. Wow. That is unbelievable. It's it. It is 
okay, what's the best way to say this? Next to China and the United States, cybersecurity is the next highest uh, GDP. Wow. It's over, over any other country. That is unbelievable. Yeah. And I would assume getting worse the more hackers are coming on board. That's oh, crazy. yeah, it's snowballing, especially because it's democratized. It's you and I could go out and become hackers today with you know, wow, with the right channels for sure. So what for the person listening to this that has the average small business, mm. it's scary, it scary, is. scary stuff. What do they do? The, the first thing you need to do <laughs> is, well, I mean, there's a couple things. There's a lot of things you can do right now as we, we could do within the next 30 minutes that would secure your business. And I, I'll cover those just real quickly. There are things that are annoying to you, two-factor authentication. Everybody knows that that's what you need, but really that's what you need. Mm. It, it's, that's pretty bulletproof. The other is keep your software updated. We, we discussed that, not just the antivirus, but all software. Change all passwords because if you're like most people, there's some similarity to all your passwords. And... Well, one can say, well, they can't figure that out. Well, it's not they figuring it out. It's artificial intelligence mm. working at quantum speeds right. <laughs> you know, that is doing it. It's not such as a brute force attack. That's where they just bam, 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 bam until they break into your access. It was a pretty common, it's a pretty common way to break in the through passwords. So, yeah, you would use, change your password and then, then connect them to a password manager like Google Password. And they're free. And, you know, just have that manage your passwords. Another thing is have a separate password. This gets really annoying, I'm sorry, for your mobile devices. Because those are particularly vulnerable. Because hmm. they're not behind your network firewall. They're, Interesting. They're living out in the world. So it's good to have that. And, again, you put that on When you say password, password you mean the the password you put in to log into your phone initially when you open up your Correct. phone? Correct. Yeah. Not okay. your birthday, not your okay. pin you use for your check card. Okay. Yeah, it, just a completely new password that okay. has nothing related with anything. Yeah. Now, what about the pattern? Because that's what I use, the pattern instead of a number. Oh, I, I mean, that doesn't matter. So long as it's not your birthday okay. <laughs> or your social or... Okay. You know, just uh, nothing that could be tied to you per se. Correct. Okay. Yeah, just random generated numbers. That's that's really the best way. Another one that we, you know, I, I was guilty of in the past and I got uh, my identity stolen as a result. And that is using a public Wi-Fi. Yeah, uh, you got on to me about that. Yeah, so... Whenever I was, I have in, my computer up right now. When John got here, it was like you shouldn't be on the public Wi-Fi. Yeah, I already got an F from John today. And well, and your <laughs> yeah, the thing I, I did it too, just to see what what it would do. And sure enough, it popped up error messages that I showed you. Like this is unsafe, and this is unsafe. And a lot of people would just be like cancel and continue. Yeah, on. yeah, and that's because here's the thing. Uh, when I got when I was hacked in, we were in Silicon Valley. It was in the San Jose, and I was at the a nice hotel. And about midnight, I get a phone call from my bank, and they're they're like, you know, did you purchase this? And I'm, no. And but I did purchase Grubhub about four hours earlier using their hmm. Wi-Fi. So that meant that some probably some unemployed Silicon Valley. <laughs> coder guy wow. was hanging out in the lobby of that hotel and just monitoring and waiting wow. for someone. Yeah. Which there's probably 
better places if you're going to do <laughs> Wi-Fi than Silicon Valley, safer places. But that just proves the point. That Interesting. There, that was a case of, you know, as soon as as soon as it happened, they had all my information. Wow. Now, is it better or worse or the same to instead log on to your hotspot of your phone? Absolutely. Always hotspot. Hotspot is okay. Absolutely. Okay. That's so I'll preferred. just do that then. So, Or you can VPN. There's a lot of affordable VPNs. So if you can get on the Wi-Fi and then say at Starbucks and then you VPN to. I want to nod and smile like I know what that is. <laughs> sure, John, VPN. What does that mean for uh, those of us that don't speak virtual, tech? It's a virtual protection network and it is what you would log in Okay, let's think about 20 years ago. If you worked in corporate, if you needed access to your files, you would uh, be at work and you have access to the C drive or the D drive. Right, right. The VPN is what you do from home to get access into the through the firewall. And we essentially have that today in one form. So if you have the VPN, you can use public Wi-Fi. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the VPN uh, is what's protecting exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah, it's your okay. protection. Gotcha. Right. Do not do not use public Wi-Fi without a VPN. And then, you know, a big a big section of ransomware is due to phishing. In phishing, you can't. There's no software for phishing. That is you. That's your training, your education, your exposure. And that would be, for example, getting an email that looks legitimate because they, they've used right. legitimate companies' email templates that look like it's your bank or look like it's from Amazon and you click on the link, right? That's what you're right. talking about? Absolutely. So we have a we have a software, artificial intelligence software product, beta testing it. It has a test name of Auditware, which I don't like because that is a scary name. And everybody's like, oh, I'm in trouble. It's Auditware. <laughs> but so we're, I'm going to make them change that. <laughs> but for right now, we call it, that's what we call it. And we have about 2,500 different templates. They're real-world templates. What you do with Auditware is you'd put it in. It's a plug-in into your browser, and then you fill out some information. This is my age. This is what I'm into, whatever, my education level. And then it just sits back and watches your behavior for a while. And then it starts trying to trick you. Interesting. And so it's it like a training you. tool. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's a, it's a cyber hygiene like behavior tool. Interesting. Yeah. And so what it does, and then you can run the report at any time and see what is my grade. You know, how am I doing? Where could I shore up? You know, one of the things that was very... I'm kind of giving myself away here, but I might have spent too much time on Reddit because it gave me a poor grade. Reddit is is kind of a promiscuous website when it comes to endpoints and, and how many you know things. So are. is that where the hackers hang out? Is Reddit? Oh, they're everywhere. Sure, Reddit and Facebook, and so are the bots just scraping every type of information you can put out there. Sure. And again, this the people aren't collating this. This is all machine learning that's crunching the numbers. Yeah, it's way too you know, granular for, you know, us to sit around doing. But it also, you know, due to that, due to that automated, it, it happens, you know, so, so quickly, you know, it's, 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 it's mind blowing. And you know what, what I'm telling you today is probably going to be outdated you know, mm. by tomorrow. Uh, I mean, in some way, it just moves so quickly. Yeah. Well, and it's remarkable to me because you were talking earlier about how 85% of these don't even get reported. 
they just pay a ransom and move on with life, yeah. which means the hackers are still out there. Oh, yeah. Still continuing to hack other people looking it, for this stuff. Yeah, it's it's all volume. It's a shotgun approach, and some people buy it, and that's that's how they make their money. I recently had my bank account breached, which is so annoying because, of course, I had to end up closing that account and getting everything transferred over to a new account. Such a pain in the butt. But this person... However, they got my bank information, which I mean, anyone that has access to a check you've written can see your bank information. Mm-hmm. Your so number. Yeah. So it's not that difficult. But the thing is, is I don't write checks. So it must have somehow been a cyber because I do buy things mm-hmm. ACH by putting my account number when I purchase something or you know automatic ach yeah. payment so somehow it had to have been some type of cyber breach and, because i don't write checks and it probably wasn't on your end if i was a betting man i would say and was, i'm wondering it was probably you know the vendor that you'd put it in and they probably had a cyber breach and so something like this where i know this this guy Scott Sean Scott I think was the name he was writing himself checks with my had my business name so somehow he had my business name had my routing number and account number on the bottom of the check right it looked like a legitimate business check Mm -hmm. but it had his name and of course some weird signature that was not mine which is how I think the bank initially caught it that's good that they caught that yeah I have Chase Bank so they did catch it and they put a stop on it and alerted me thank goodness so I wasn't out any funds, thankfully, but it was like, okay, how did this happen? How did this guy get all of this information when I don't write checks? If I was a check writer, I could see where I've, you know, if I'm at Office Depot writing a check, the cashier behind the counter has all of that, right? Because yeah. he, he can see the whole check. What, you know, you what I was kind of getting to is with the phishing thing and vishing, which is voice, where they yeah. do it over the phone. That one's really interesting, too, seeing someone actually do that and within 30 seconds have access to your Sprint account because mm. they know your maiden name because they acted like they were from your high school. And just uh. all of this, it's very it, – it, it's formulaic, but it is it is very creative. But what I was getting to on the phishing and vishing and all that training and education – they have really short, entertaining videos. Spend five minutes on YouTube and look up, you know, phishing, how to, how to you know, thwart phishing attacks. And it'll it'll show you what to look for. It's, you know, it says it comes from Amazon gift card or something. But whenever you, you know, that's what it says. But when you start clicking into the email, it's like GH ampersand. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. It's a weird email address. Yeah. Those, yeah. those type of things that you pick up on that less savvy people might not. Yeah. You know? and, no, and you're I, right. I think it's generational too. I think that, you know, I'm in my you know 40s. I think it's hit or miss with us. I think older people are yeah. not used to looking at that. And I think, you know, my children, my son who's 15, he's, you know, he's, Whatever. Yeah, I'm not going to give you that. You know, they're right. very savvy. Right. So it's just a, you know, it's a learning curve. And yeah. again, <clears throat> back to being able to thwart these attacks. So much of it has nothing to do with software or networks or cybersecurity or any of that. It's just training and education. And just the act of clicking on the link is where it becomes a problem, right? It's not like you have to fill out information. Just clicking right. the link is the issue. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yes. So, yeah. So be careful about clicking anything on an email. There's sophisticated emails now. This is really unnerving and a really... I need to need to dig a little deeper to see if somebody's coming up with a solution for this. There are emails now you don't have to open. Interesting. How that works? <clears throat> like again, I need to find out. Who, so uh, just them sending it can be an issue. Well, sitting your cursor on it, and if you have a read preview, like on an Outlook, yeah, if you have that, that opens it. And you Interesting. Don't know it. You didn't, you didn't click on it, but because your cursor was on it, it highlighted it. It read it. The computer read it. You didn't. Interesting. Yeah. And there it is. <clears throat> wow. So, so even the act of reading some of these emails are a which, problem. Which gets back to software, you know, endpoint encryption. That's where we come in is there's you know, some stuff you have to have. Okay, so historically, there's been a common notion that smaller businesses are, are at greater risk for cyber events because they lack the resources, the funds, personnel, equipment, mm-hmm. training to combat, to effectively combat this. That's no longer the case. What we're seeing now is the, the tools are there. What isn't there is the response time. They, they don't have that 24 by 7 by 365 monitoring or if they do, if software is doing it, it's not a person that's also monitoring it as well. Whereas with a cybersecurity company, a managed uh, services security provider like us, we have a, a security operations center. It kind of looks like a mini um, mission control. And <clears throat> there's, you know, obviously environments operating there, but there's also the security and DevOps engineers that are in the SOC that are interpreting this data. And, you know, Back to artificial intelligence and machine learning in hacking, that's also the future of combating these because they are happening on such a quick scale. We don't have that processing power in our brain mm. <laughs> to, to spot these statistical anomalies and things that these that the systems that the monitoring systems can do and that seems to be that's the biggest discrepancy they differ in their detection capabilities Mm. big organizations versus small and that again goes back to the price point and the the barrier to security that small businesses have i would say in continental u.s to do a vulnerability assessment it runs a small business about three grand three to five thousand dollars that's okay if your small business is financial and and your small business is 20 million per year you can afford that but your traditional small business that has you know two to five people right that's a lot of money that is a lot of money so just to have an assessment just to see just to have visibility so what we've done is you know due to being a government security contractor having a lot of resources we are leveraging that and then essentially passing the cost savings to the small business that's awesome now why well do you really want to get into that i mean i worked for public corporate companies for 20 years and you know Maybe I want to help the small business now. They're taken care of. They're they're okay. But the small business isn't. All yeah. my family and friends, yeah. my dad's company, they're not taken care of. Right. They're not secured. Right. So and what is the, the again the barrier to entry is just it, once you see once you have a vulnerability assessment and you have essentially a dashboard or a, a roadmap or speedometer, whatever metaphor you want to use, but you have to know where you're at. And 
that's, you know, if someone has to pay $3,000 to see where they're at, they're probably not going to. Yeah. So what we've done is we have a, three, a, a few different engagement models. There's the, the growth engagement model, the scale engagement model. Depending upon what your level of organization is, if it's a smaller, you know, SMB, we can come in and do a vulnerability assessment for about $1,000. That seems to be a price point in which the small business owner is okay with saying, you know, I can, here's the stats that we're extremely vulnerable according to statistics. Let's see how much. We're going to find something. Now, how detrimental it is, it depends on what you're doing. But we'll, we're definitely going to find something that's going to make you kind of sit back and maybe mm. maybe have a gasp of air and say, God, I didn't know. Mm. So are you these, looking as granular as something like the thermostat? We do it all. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Now, we, and we'll do penetration testing, physical penetration testing, where guys like me, they're former special operations military guys trying to sneak into your business, work their way to a terminal and upload like a fake virus with mm. USB. So if, we, if I can get to a terminal, stick that in, your whole organization's compromised. Wow. So we'll do that, that type of stuff. A lot of social engineering goes into that, you know, waiting for someone at a restaurant and picking up their badge or something. So there's there's a lot that goes into a vulnerability assessment, but the the good news is is that we've made that no longer a barrier to the small business. Yeah, that's great. And the I guess kind of a, a follow on to that that a lot of cybersecurity companies historically they want you to use the product that they are competent and comfortable with. We're we are technology agnostic meaning if you already have an existing type of monitoring software secure onyx or splunk or something like that we'll work with that because while we are a startup we're a startup with substance because our parent company is a very large it staffing and software firm and we can go back to them and say hey there's this older detection software they're using Let's find somebody who can work in that environment so that you don't have to pay for, you know, I mean, some of these are like 20K for one year. Wow. That's a another barrier to security yeah. for the small business. Right. So if you can use what you have existing. And without having to buy another product. Exactly. Yeah, and that makes sense. There, there's a case of a financial office. Uh, a gentleman had a very lucrative financial firm. There was one employee. It was his wife. And so it was him and his wife. And his son had just graduated from MIT. He was like, Dad, you have got to secure your assets. So he had him buy a extremely expensive cybersecurity software, a detection service. The problem is with that, and that's great, you know, that he bought that. It was a little overkill for what he needed. It's great that he bought that. There's no one running it. So as soon as you upload it, it's on its own. Now, you'll get alerts, sure, but... But it has to be maintained. It it really does. It needs to be updated, patches, all that kind of stuff. And then you don't have anyone also assessing what are are the remediation steps, what's happening right now. Mm. It's not so autopilot to just say, oh, I'm going to buy this and and go on. So what ended up happening, he had the sunk cost in this extremely expensive enterprise software, 20K annual. But he, you know, he's going to change the next year. But for this year, he, he was like, I says, it's a sunk cost. I have to use this. Mm. So we worked with it. And we're like, okay. And so we went and found, you know, uh, a security DevOps 
engineer that can work on it and you know uh i think we made him pretty happy uh, he didn't have to just eat that Mm. that's a pretty big chunk yeah that's that would be a lot to just push to the side and not use it so that's good you guys do that yeah so if there's a small business owner listening or anyone listening Mm -hmm. that would like to get more help with this and to understand their vulnerabilities and what you could do for them. How can they get a hold of you? The easiest way would be to go to cyberware.ai. Uh, .ai is the suffix, so it's c y b e r w a r e. .ai, and just hit the contact us form. It'll go to the same thing as if you email info at cyberware.ai. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I mean, you are very educational. I've learned a lot from you and I really appreciate your insight. And I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of people that will get a lot out of this. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And I'm Lindsay Klein with Sucline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time and your host of Buy the Books. Until next time. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Buy the Books is presented by Sucline, honest, accurate bookkeeping performed on time. For more information on Sucline services or to get a hold of Lindsay, visit Sucline.com or email info at Sucline.com. The information provided on this website and podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general information purposes only. Information provided by Sucline may not constitute the most up-to-date legal or other information. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter and should refrain from acting on the basis of this information without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information contained herein and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation.